Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen, amen. The book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus chapter 9, what a powerful touch of the Lord is here. Can somebody say amen? How many feel the presence of God? Leviticus chapter 9. Amen. After you have found it, place it on your seat and clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. I want you to clap your hands, everyone, and shout. Come on, shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We glorify you, God. We glorify you, Lord. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Everybody shout, let it rain. We feel the rain in this room. We spent this past weekend with our evangelist, Brother Burns. Amen. Leading us in prayer, teaching us. Tonight, I just felt quickened to have an extra service, a revival service tonight and tomorrow night. Just having church, just letting the Holy Ghost have his way. I feel this. I feel like God wants to do something now. We talk about future revivals and future harvest, but I believe there's one right now. I believe it's among us. I believe the kingdom is near us. Somebody shout right now. Right now. Right now, harvest. Amen. Amen. I really do. We had we had a, a week in one come. One time we talked about the rain. We sent out flyers to the whole county. We had a full house here and one night, I think we saw 50, it was 54 or 56. Do you remember, Brother Nehemiah, get the Holy Ghost in one night here? 56 people received the Holy Ghost in one night on a Friday night. And uh, just uh, just powerful what the Lord is, has done, amen, what he's doing and what he's going to do. And uh, you are a part of it. God has called you to be a part of it. We are a praying people. We believe in the power of prayer. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23. Beautiful crowd on such a spontaneous event as tonight. Thank you for being here. Never take that lightly. The Anchor Anchor Church is one of those amazing people. Really are. Some of the most amazing people in the world gather week after week in this building and the buildings of our campuses and uh, for that I'm grateful and Moses and Aaron went to the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people how many want that to happen and there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Amen. I'd like to teach and preach to you tonight. We're going to end this service tonight in a prayer meeting. But I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. And then the fire fell. And then the fire fell. We know what the fire of God is. That's the presence of the Lord. That's the acceptance of the receiving of his of the offering that's been given 
We understand that's the glory of the Lord coming. That is heaven come to earth. That's the supernatural power of God being among us. How many want the fire among us? How many want the presence of God? God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. We need him among us. We need a church that's on fire. We need a church with the Lord moving among us. Come on, clap your hands and praise him. And we need that among us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The question is when or then. What is then that the fire falls? You may be seated. Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, if you want to turn there. Hebrews chapter 11. Many call this chapter the hall of faith. It names people from the Old Testament that did great exploits for God. It starts out, chapter 11, verse 1, says, Now faith is the substance. Everybody say, it is a substance. Of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. By what? Everybody say faith. Through faith we understand. By faith we understand. We as believers that are gathered here tonight, we understand that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. We understand that God prepared a great fish and swallowed Noah and he was in the belly of a well for three days and God got his attention and he repented and come out and preached, preached the message to, the, uh, to Nineveh and they repented. We understand things that God drowned an entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea and allowed his people to go across the Red Sea on dry land. We understand that when they shouted that the Jericho walls fell. How do we understand? Faith allows us to understand. Faith allows us to understand that on a cross hung a righteous man, a spotless man without blemish, without failure, with no gall found in him. But when he died, it gave hope to an entire world, generations before him and the generations that would come after him. It's called Calvary. Everybody say, by faith, we understand. We understand that this man that died on Calvary, by faith we understand that he died at Calvary, but he was born of a virgin womb. Everything about him was miraculous. And we understand that they buried him, and three days later, he got up by the powerful resurrection power of God, and we understand that he's alive forevermore. Can you say amen? We also understand that if we repent, just like he died, we can die in repentance, and that we can be baptized and buried with him in baptism, and that we also can arise to walk in newness of life. How do we understand that? Somebody shout, by faith. And by faith, we believe that he can fill us with his spirit and our heart can begin to speak as he fills it up and we can speak with a new tongue and live a holy, godly life. And whenever he comes back to get the church, we understand by faith that no matter where we are, if they bury us or if we're still alive, we're gonna get caught out of this earth to a new home, a new land. How many of you are heaven bound tonight? We understand there's streets of gold and gates. Come on, are there any faith believers in the building that you believe this world is not my home? I'm just passing through. Amen. We understand by faith. We tithe by faith. We pray by faith. 
We repented because of faith. We came to church on an extra night tonight because of faith. We pray because of faith. And it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it, as the elders obtained a good report, we shall obtain a good report. So through faith, everybody shout through faith. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the type of faith you need is through faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How did he do it? He gave his first fruits. Cain waited to see if he had enough to give, but Abel stepped out in faith and said, I'm gonna give it before I have, know how much I'm gonna have. I'm just gonna give it first and know that God has my tomorrow. By faith, we tithe knowing he is gonna bless our future. We don't have to save up and see if we're gonna get enough to have enough to pay our tithes because we walk by faith. Somebody shout faith. And by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness. Everybody say witness. That he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead, yet speaketh. I want you to know today is that it appears that Abel, when he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, that Cain knew that his wasn't received but he knew that Abel's was received. What was the difference? How did they know that God had received their offering? I'm gonna tell you how. Because I believe just like David at, at, at the threshing floor of Ordan, when he laid a sacrifice there, just like Gideon, when he laid the food for the angel up on the rock, there was a fire that came out from heaven and consumed it. It was a response from heaven to their altar that let them know that God had received it. When you do what God wants you to do, he's going to receive you. That's the thing that we've got to get an understanding of tonight is the Bible says that come out from the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Then, somebody shout, then will I receive you unto myself. We have to understand tonight that if you want God, then there's some things that you have to do. He said in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. I know it's a familiar verse, but I'm going to have them throw it on the screen for a moment so you can just see this. It was God's promise to Solomon. He said, if my people, somebody shout if. I don't know it, but if is in the room. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, that means the fast, and pray, and what? Seek my face. What does it say? Then. Then. You go from an if to a then. There's an if factor if you're going to receive what God has for you. There is expectation from God up on your life. It's not good enough to show up. You just don't reach in your wallet and give. You just don't 
find, you know, at some point in the day, just grab your Bible and start reading. There, there's, there's a, there, there, it's not a, a matter of convenience. It's a matter of obedience. Giving God my best. Giving God what he expects from me. And he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And what? And I will heal their land. I just want to stop here and say there is hope for our city. There is hope for our county. There is hope for our nation. And there is hope for our world. How are we going to have the healing of the land? We must obey the word of the Lord. If we'll pray, if we will seek his face, if we'll humble ourselves and pray and turn from the sinful things in our life, he's going to hear us. And when he hears our prayer, he's going to forgive our sins and then heal our land. I come to tell you on this Tuesday night that he's not that far away. He's just waiting on you to do what he's asked you to do. And that's to pray. That's to fast. That's to seek his face and turn from the things that are not godly in your life. Amen. If we'll do that, he's going to heal our land. He's going to send a great mighty harvest oh clap your hands and shout to the Lord here today praise God you would continue in the verses you would find that that Abel 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 offered Enoch pleased God in verse 6 Noah moved Abraham obeyed Sarah received. You'll find that Isaac blessed. Joseph or Jacob worshiped. Joseph gave Moses' parents hid for him for three months. Moses chose. Rahab received. Faith will always cause an action. They did great things and had great results because they were willing to do what God asked them to do. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I'm preaching tonight. We can talk about prayer. We can read about prayer. We can teach about fasting. We can exhort about prayer and fasting. But until you pray and fast, you're not going to see the glory. Until you seek his face, you're not going to see it. He's waiting on an action, not just talking about it. He wants us to pray. He wants us to fast. I've been in circles of this all of my life. I know what is here. I've been in circles. I'm 42 years old. I travel. I've preached a lot of places. And how many places have I been? We talk about great revivals. We talk about the Pentecostals of Alexandria and 24-hour prayer since 1975 and the great church they have. We talk about these great harvests and great revivals that come out of prayer. We get all we get all lathered up and excited about what God did and what he could do and then go home and not pray. Go to prayer conferences and prayer conventions and, and have, 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 have prayer teaching and then not pray. I'm going to tell you how you pray. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, number one, will humble themselves. Number two, pray. You can't pray if you don't humble yourself. How do you humble yourself? Fasting. Denying your flesh. Some of you in this room aren't praying like you should. I'm going to tell you why. It's not because you're unrighteous. It's because you're full of self. You have to humble yourself. 
Everybody shout, humble yourself. Oh, you didn't come tonight because, because you didn't want to be here. You had to be here. You came tonight because you wanted to be here. And I've come to help you tonight. I've come to exhort you by teaching you tonight. If you really want to get a hold of God, you got to step away from what you want, from the pleasures of the flesh, denying yourself from things that you want. And what you'll find, you immediately, because prayer is in you. Everybody say, the kingdom is nigh you. Now everybody say this, the kingdom is in you. Brother Nehemiah, everything we need is in us. Because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. He has filled us with the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that? We got to stir up the gift that's within us. It's all in us. But what happens, we harden it with carnality. We harden it with political opinions. We harden it with, 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 with news media and all kinds of stuff. We harden it with hobbies and and, and pleasures and stuff that we want. Don't ever forget in Matthew 16, he said, if you come after me, you have to deny yourself. It's as much apostolic doctrine as the oneness of God and baptism in Jesus' name than filling the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues is to deny yourself. Now look at your neighbor and say, you need to deny yourself. It's as, ho- as much holiness as our uh, holiness standards is self-denial. You've got to deny all you boys on the back row, self-denial. Every parent in the room, self-denial. All you seniors, you don't age out of self-denial. No one in the building. Our children need to learn. Somebody shout self-denial. If you're not praying, it's because you're not humbled. Let me give you an example. Jesus compared fasting to a bride that her husband, after being with her for one year, because when you got married in the scripture, you take one year off of one year off of war. So you can have the war in the house. Amen. I was gonna get married. Everybody told me, say, when you get married, it's gonna be World War III. Well, it never happened, glory to God. You would take a year off of war so there could be bonding between the spouses. After a year, he would return to the field, return to war. When it would, she, was lo- she would long for him. She would be so hungry for her love, her groom, that she didn't want to eat. And it was a longing. She, you, you couldn't, she had no, she lost her appetite because she was hungry. She, she desired to be near her husband. Because two had now become one. And Jesus said, and there will be a day that ye must fast when I am taken from you. And I've seen people that they got so sick over a situation, so worried, so so tore up that they couldn't eat. They lost their appetite because of what they're Anybody ever been there? You were going through something. You didn't want to eat. You, you couldn't eat. There's nothing sounded good. Why? Because something was missing. Something was longing. Could I tell you, people that do not fast, are content it's so quiet here I must be preaching to everybody in the building the reason we don't fast is because we're content with where we are but with you ever get a longing for what God has what God wants we can't become content with this crowd tonight we can't become content with where we are in God come on we got to get to a place that says I'm hungry for a move of God I'm hungry to see my children saved oh God 
Somebody one time lost a, a, a child that was in the world. A child that was in the world. And I heard her pastor preaching about this. And she didn't eat for three weeks after her child passed away. And I'll never forget what the pastor said. It shook me. said, what would have happened if she would have fasted three weeks before he passed? Instead of waiting until he passed to fast, I come to preach to you. There's got to get a hunger in us. I watched a lady back in Glen Ferris one time. She fasted for nine days to see her husband saved. Nine days. He never wanted anything to do with the church. His heart was cold toward the Lord. She went on a fast. She got desperate. She said, I want to see my family healed. I want to see my family saved. She went on a nine-day fast, and at the end of the nine days, he came walking through the door, run to the altar and repented, was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because if my people will humble themselves, I will hear their prayer. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I'll take it a step bigger. I believe we have the authority, we have the power to pray and God can convert an entire city. He can heal our land. He can heal the drug addict. He can heal the drug dealer. He can empty out the jails with a great revival. He can cause the jailers to be converted. Why? He's waiting on somebody. He's waiting on somebody. He's waiting on somebody to get desperate for revival. I feel revival. We need a revival from the pulpit to the pew. We need a revival that starts with me and you. That reaches out to a lost and hungry world. Song says we've got to have a revival. And Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah understood something. I was trying to find in the spirit today in prayer. I spent majority of the time today alone with the Lord and uh, pondering this something that God had put in my spirit. In the book of Nehemiah chapter one, I, I want you to see what he says here. Everybody shout revival. We need a revival, don't we? In the book of Nehemiah, you find something very powerful. Chapter one. In chapter one, it says in verse two, that Hananiah, one of, chapter 1, verse 2, and Hananiah, one of my brethren came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. You have to understand that the people in Jerusalem, the children of Israel, were taken captive. They were taken out of Jerusalem into Babylon. Some had escaped and managed to stay in the city. What was the report? And they said unto me, verse 3, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. Everybody that stayed in Jerusalem, they're broken, they're in affliction, and their life is a reproach. Poverty is upon them. He said, the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and what? Fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He was saying it this way. When I heard the report of God's holy city and how bad a shape it's in and everybody in it, it concerned me to think those beautiful gates are burnt, the 
big walls are broken down. It's not what it used to be, old Zion. I'm talking about old Zion that people would have traveled a thousand miles. Queen of Sheba would have traveled a thousand miles to see the, the grandeur and the beauty of this place called Jerusalem, this holy land, this place that whoever, whoever would pray to this land would be healed, saved, and delivered. But now it has become a ruins. And when I heard of it, he said, I fasted and I prayed. I wept and I mourned because it's not what it used to be. Are y'all hearing me today? He said, when I think of where you, God forbid some elder that used to be in the apostolic church years ago ever would walk into the anchor and would say it's not the way it used to be. That would grieve my spirit. God forbid that the anchor ever becomes, ever becomes modernized to a place of some building without the glory, some gathering without his presence, with some formality, without true, true religion. We can't get to a place where we're just showing up with methodology. We got to get to a place, are we where God wants us to be? Let us not become the ruins. Come on, let us not lose our holiness. Let us not lose our boundaries. Let us not have our holiness broken down. Come on, let's not lose the holiness of the church. Somebody told me about a backslider in another church that when he returned years later to his home church, he said, it's not the church I live. It's compromised now. It's not powerful anymore. It's not what it used to be. Things are, they don't preach it the way they used to. God forbid it ever be that way here. I've tried to stand this hold the line and hold the truth and fight against opposition but God forbid we'd ever become just some country club group that shows up I know we're not but I'm just saying that if we're going to ever be what God wants us to be we've got to pray we've got to seek his face there should never be a time that we're not wanting more of God and what God has for us come on how many of you want a holiness church you want a holiness church that has walls between the church and the world Everybody jump on your feet and lift your hands in the air and say, God, don't let us lose the walls of the church. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. When I think of some of the people that used to lead in this church, when I think of some of the people that used to be on these front rows dancing and shouting, Brother Nehemiah, their life is the ruins. Probably in a crack house tonight. Crawling in and out of bar rooms. In jail cells. Their lives are, are, are a mess. Their marriages are chaos. Scattered everywhere. When I think of that, it troubles me. You know what troubles me more? Is to think that all it would take is a good old-fashioned revival to see them all get healed and be back in the church. Come on, I don't believe it's too hopeless, do you? I don't believe some of these people that used to walk in this church and help us in leadership and be a part that I, I don't believe they're too far gone because I believe in the last days there's going to be a church that's going to rise up with a with prayer in its in its heart revival in its spirit amen on a prayer prayer hallelujah 
Everyone be seated. If you have someone in your life that used to be in the house of God, that they are no longer, they were, they were in church, they were on fire for God, but they are no longer in the church and they're your family, I want you to stand. All over the building, 90 plus percent of the congregation is standing. Can I tell you something? How is it going to happen? Because the prophecy is, it's going to happen. It's going to be a great harvest of new people. Millions in North America. But, but Elizabeth, there are going to be a lot of people. They're going to return to the Lord that used to live for God. They're backslidden in their heart. They're prodigals, but they're going to come back. How are they going to come back? I'm going to tell you how they're going to come back. I want you to be seated. I want you to bear with me. I've already told you part of it. If... Then, if my people humble themselves, everybody shout fasting and prayer. Do you believe fasting still works? Let me just, let's just get a poll here. Do y'all believe when he said some things only go out by prayer and fasting? Do you believe that Jesus was speaking truth or was it just, just an option? Come on, I want you to really, I want, we need a hearty amen here if we really believe it. Do you believe that fasting and prayer is an option or it was an actual, it was a revelation of how to see great things come out and come to pass? My, I feel the witness. Do you believe his word? So let's just put it this way. Is it possible that if we will pray and will fast, we get authority over the enemy in their life and we can bring them out of hell, bring them out of the crack cap, bring them out of drug and I believe we can. I believe we got to rise up and become the church, become the intercessor, become the people that stand between them and God. Now, I'm going to ask you another question. Do you believe greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world? Oh, come on now. The Bible says, uh, ye have overcome them little children, for greater is he that is in you. Everybody shout, it's in me. Let's talk about this for a minute. For he is able, Ephesians, he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all, that we can ask or think. Through the power that worketh in us. I come to preach to you. It's in you. You just need to activate it with prayer and fasting. You need to activate your faith. You need to activate your power. You need to activate it today. I want everybody on your feet shouting with me right now. I said it's already in you. You just need to stir up the gift. Stir it up. Shake it up. It's already in you. You got to shake it up with some old-fashioned prayer, old-fashioned fasting. It will have a great... I want you to clap your hands and rejoice for with what he is going to do. I wish somehow that you could separate, be seated. You could separate yourself for a moment from the normalcy of your life and realize the reproach that these people are under. I wish tonight I could preach it so heavy that you could see hell for a moment and your family members there if you don't get a hold of God for them. He told the disciples, I know it might be out of context, but he said you can either hold their sin or release their sin 
I believe in the root of that, what he was saying is you've got a responsibility to your world. Are you hearing me, Lakin? You've got a responsibility to your generation to be in tune with God. You've got a responsibility, Amber, to your family that needs to know the Lord. For the heart and now that God has set you free, there's a great responsibility that you have. When Paul received truth, he said, I am a debtor, Romans 1, to you that are in Rome also. Why? Because I have been set free. Now I know the answer of how people can be set free. I've got to go to them. I've got a responsibility. That's what Nehemiah was saying. He said, when I hear the ruins, when I hear the reproach, when I hear those left behind, those left behind by God, I got to think about those that's going to be left behind. Brother Cody, when I think of your family members that are going to get left, if God would come tomorrow, are they going to spend eternity in heaven or hell? I don't believe in purgatory. I believe it's either one or the other. And we've got to get shaken here today and quit worrying about worrying about our little petty things and start thinking about eternity. And if I don't get a hold of God, what's going to happen to my brother? What's going to happen to my sister? What's going to happen to my parents? I feel an old-fashioned revival, but I believe God's trying to shake up the church here for a minute. I would to God we could get the view of Nehemiah that would say, right now, God, if I don't get a hold of you, oh, they're going to be lost forever. But God, if you will hear my prayer, if you will hear me repent tonight, I believe, God, you can let us restore Jerusalem I believe you can bring a revival to that city. Somebody say amen. Now I'm very passionate of what I feel because I feel faith in the building. There has been liberty from hello tonight. God is one to do something. I really do feel tonight's service is in the perfect will of God. Brother Joe, just stand to your feet and help me preach for a minute, buddy. Brother Joe up the grave, I want you to help me because I believe the Lord's going to use you in your prayer time. Amen. Amen. I believe that. Brother John, jump on your feet and help me for a minute. I need, I need him. Come on, Brother Brent. Jump on your feet just for a minute. There's some men. I told this church early this year God's calling men to lead their families God's calling some men to step out in worship to step out in faith to step out in prayer and fasting when he saw the result he couldn't eat did you hear me I said when he saw the condition of Jerusalem he couldn't eat He didn't just go on a fast. He couldn't eat. It sickened him. Longing for Jerusalem to become what it's supposed to become. Any of you have a longing for the church to become what the church should become? And I'm, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about family members and people that used to be in here praying that aren't praying. But I believe that we would join arm in arm in prayer and fasting. And this is what the Lord showed me. He showed me that if you will repent first, the revival in your family is going to start with you. That's what he showed me. Quit waiting on pastor to do it. You need to do it. I'll lead the way. But if you want your family to be saved, it's got to start with you. And here's how it's going to happen. The Bible says that he got on his knees and he started praying. Are you ready for this? Nehemiah 1. I want you to stand and stretch your hands toward heaven and I want you to listen to this verse. Verse 
Verse 5, and he said, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive unto thine eyes open and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now. Everybody shout now. Are you ready? Day and night for the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. We have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But verse, verse nine, listen to the preacher. Listen to the, listen to the intercessor. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them into the place, unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. He said, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me first. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my negligence. Forgive me for not praying, for not keeping the law. God, I'm asking you to forgive my father's house and my family. I'm asking you to forgive my brother that walked away from you. I'm asking you to forgive the leadership. I'm asking it starts with him. It starts with you. And if you will do what he's asked you to do, he said it doesn't matter how far they are away from God to the uttermost part of the heavens, they're going to return again and will be brought back to the place that God had first called them. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Lift your hands and shout to the Lord right now. I want you to tell the Lord, I want to become desperate for my family. I want to become desperate for this community. I want to become desperate, oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Those men I called, I want you to come and stand. I want you to come and stand here. Those men that I called, I want them to come and stand in this altar. Come on, Paul. Come on, Brenton. Come on, Brad. Come on, Tyler. God's called you to pray. God's called you to fast. God's called you to seek His face. We got to die out to our wants, our ambitions. I don't know who I was talking to, but I was weeping and crying. Thinking, how can somebody have hobbies? Never want a soul and have a hobby. Never want anybody to the Lord. 
and spend all their time golfing and hunting, video gaming, and never won one person to God. How in the world can you have a hobby and you've never pulled somebody out of the pit of hell? How can you look at Jerusalem and it not stir you? I want you men represented in this room to lift your hands and every man in this room lift your hands and say God shake me open my eyes that I would see what's needed oh God friends, acquaintances, connections people I've met that I don't even think about that are lost because I'm not praying I'm not fasting I'm not <laughs> hallelujah when are we going to get desperate to see healing in our family Healing in our church. Healing among family members. What are we going to do? We got to pray. But we can't pray till we humble ourselves and break, break the yoke. Break the, break the barrier that's keeping all the good in. God's called you to fasting. I want everybody in the room to get on your knees unless you're handicapped of some sort. And it's going to start like this. We're going to repent. I want everybody in the room that can. If, you, if you're physically not able, understand. But I want you to ask God to forgive you of your sins. God, forgive me. Forgive me for not praying. Forgive me for not fasting. Forgive me for losing my heart's burden for the lost. Forgive me, God, for thinking about myself instead of Jerusalem. Forgive me, God for not even thinking about Jerusalem and the, those that have been left behind left behind that are now afflicted reproached living living under lean-tos and it's nothing more than the garbage heap that's where they get their food digging out of the sins of this world trying to find satisfaction Hallelujah. And when the church prayed, and then the fire fell, and everyone repented, everyone began to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody in the room, I want you to say, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Every saint of God, pray that prayer. Forgive me, God, for losing the passion for souls. Oh, what tonight. Get a burden again for a backslider, a wayward saint, a stranger that's not ever known God. Come on, Nehemiah, it starts with you. Come on, the Nehemiahs of this church. 
their lives are broken. They're living in ruins. They're digging in trash heaps to satisfy a hunger in their body. Leaving their sick and afflicted, diseased. Oh, but we're going to pray them out. Hallelujah. We're going to pray them out. It starts with you, ma'am. Revive when your husband starts with you. Come on, sir. The revive when your wife starts with you. Come on, grandpa. Revive when those grandchildren start with you. Revive when your children starts with you. I've got to step away from the table. I've got to step away from myself. If I don't, if I don't fast, I won't pray like I should. about your children. Come on, can you see the ruins? Can you see them in the city? Ruins. They have no protection. There's no gates to keep the enemy out of their life. Their lives are broken. They're hungry. They're desperate. Somebody's got to get a burden for Jerusalem. Somebody's got to get a burden for Zion. Somebody's got to get a burden for Zion. Heaven's going to respond. For it was then the fire's going to fall. It's then that heaven gets involved. It's then that heaven backs you up. It's then that heaven hears your prayer. You're not praying amiss. You're praying the burden of the Lord. You're not praying your mind. You're praying his heart. Come on. That's it. All over this building. God, forgive my babies. Forgive my children. I'm going to stand in the gap for somebody. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.